0: to you thanks i appreciate you stopping by now it's going to be uh part two of my interview with brian kilmeade he's right in the middle of talking about booker t washington and how he was training young black men in america and women to to learn how to do jobs
1: and he did it a 1500 people at a time for uh, every day of his adult life until he was uh i guess 25 until he passed away at 59 so you know started with 30 and he just kept building up this school they're all about self-made men
0: it's uh, Brian Me, the book is Teddy uh, and Booker T, How Two American Icons Blaze the Path for Racial Equality. What, what boggles my mind is that we allow the government, I mean you and me, but but we allow the government to disincentivize people and tell them you don't have to learn the trade. You don't have to go and be part of the system. It's easier to complain about foundational or systemic racism and then get a check or maybe even tell the dad, you don't even have to be in the house. We'll take care of the kids if they're born with welfare or whatever else. This is not something that is just inherent to one race of people. This is what our government did over 100 years, telling people, don't do what Booker T said do. How do we fix that, can we?
1: Well, a lot of people are upset in the black community about Booker T. Washington. They don't embrace his legacy. Not saying all of them. Obviously, when you talk about Byron Donalds, when you talk about Colonel West, uh, when you talk about Daniel Cameron,
0: Ben Carson, right.
1: Ben Carson. They, I mean, you can't you can't if you start off to ask him about him, you better have a half hour. Right. So but other people don't don't like it, you know, um, and they feel as though he was too accommodating. But he was in a Jim Crow South, which yes. they lynched you if you dated a white woman or assumed you dated a white woman where there were poll taxes and they prevented you. Some Ku Klux Klan would prevent you from going to the polls. Right. And that's the place he went back to, to start a college and to change that. And Teddy Roosevelt knew it had to be changed and Grant knew it had to be changed. So how do I do that? I can't do everything all at once. You have to pick your spots Yes. and he found the perfect partner. And when you talked about that dinner, uh, that was referenced by John McCain and in my special on Fox nation, that's how I ended. John McCain says, you know, back in the turn of the 20th century, um, it was a big scandal when Booker T. Washington came and went uh, to Teddy, well, with Teddy Roosevelt and had dinner with his family. And now, talking about being a gracious winner, uh, there'll be a black man hosting that dinner. That's how far America has come. So why can't I go back and talk about the men or, and women that brought us there? I mean, his, he had two wives die tragically. They all, uh, all of them worked at the school. Women were welcome at the school. They became teachers. They learned to trade, too. He was, we're going to change things. I'm not going to judge. If the Joneses don't like me and the Johnsons do, I'm going to work with the Johnsons, but I don't hate the Joneses. But sooner or later, they're going to notice that there's no difference between us. And they're going to notice not by yelling at them, not by legislating it, by just seeing they're going with what they're seeing. Look at the way these men and women hold themselves. Look at the pride in which they have. Look at how productive they are. Man, maybe my parents were wrong about there being a difference in races. And people were upset at Booker T. Washington for saying, you know, you went back to the South, you didn't stand up here, you didn't get, you didn't uh, make a stand here. He goes, well, I had to worry about Tuskegee. I had to be welcomed in Alabama. I couldn't stay in Boston and take shots. I wanted to change the South in the South. And not everybody was racist and bigoted, but that's how they were brought up. They were people of their times. And little by little, they changed people by the thousands who were capable of being changed. And I'll give you one anecdote that, that um, he wrote in *The larger education and he wrote in Up From Slavery. Good. So Booker T. Washington and Teddy Roosevelt had this dinner and he was waiting for a train. And as he's waiting for a train, a man walked up to him and said, you're Booker T. Washington. You're one of, the, you're one of if not the greatest man in America. And he said, thank you, sir, but it's really the president of the United States, Teddy Roosevelt, he goes, I used to think so until he had you over for dinner. Wow. Now think wow. about that that so many layers to that statement. He did not know he was insulting him, he was ignorant, he wanted to compliment him, but he's like, "You know you're not equal' like to say, you know you're not equal, right? You're not equal to me. I just respect you. but that's when his words after that was, that's when I realized I had to let sleeping dogs lie. can't help him unless he has a revelation in his life, but I'm not going to hate him. And he says, when you give somebody the luxury or the compliment of hating them. They're taking up time with you. He goes, do not put, and I'll use my words, your self-esteem is not for sale. Right. So he would bring that everywhere. So if that door got slammed in his face when he was walking around in Massachusetts, trying to get some benefactors for for uh, for his university, these doors would slam, others would open, he'd tell a story, I don't hate you guys, sooner or later you'll realize what I'm doing. And that's how he persevered in life and did what he did, but he did it with people like Teddy Roosevelt like General Armstrong, who nobody knows but ran Hampton College and these great people in his neighborhood in West Virginia. They didn't see color in a time in which everybody else did.
0: But By the way, if you say I don't see color today, it's called a microaggression. I mean, I, I mean that. People, well, with, so you're taking my, my ancestry away. But if you do see color, oh, it's because I'm this or I'm that. But you really can't win today. Can you imagine, by the way, it's Brian Kilmeade, media star. Of course, Fox News Channel. His new book is Teddy and Booker T Have two American icons blazed a path for racial equality. Can you imagine had there been social media? Because back then, you've got a paper and a quill. And people were writing, I'm sure that Teddy Roosevelt was a no good this and that. And the Booker T was a no good this and that. How dare you have dinner with this guy? Can you imagine what would have happened had social media been around?
1: Oh, it would have been nuts in a matter of seconds. And it would have been insane. And But it might have been shorter lived This thing lived forever. They could not shake it. And it adjusted the way they dealt with each other. Because yeah. they said, listen, we got to be smarter about this. I know there's nothing wrong with us having dinner together. But unfortunately, all of America doesn't agree with that. So they didn't alter their relationship. They changed the nature of it. Brian, they were, were, they, it were, they, they, were they
0: friends? Were they friends? Yes.
1: Oh, deep respect for each other. And they, they talk about Edith and he getting a, pre, a pre-release of his book, Up From Slavery. And they both said, Edith said to Teddy, "This we got to meet this guy. And they met in New York City. And he was vice president. He said, you know, if I become president, if anything I could do to help you, he said, well, why don't you just come down and see Tuskegee? And as he's doing, he goes, yeah, I got this trip planned. After that, I'm coming. Well, McKinley gets shot, dies a week or two later. Right. And next thing you know, he's president. And we found the letter. That he wrote to Booker T apologizing that he's not going to be able to come and see Tuskegee, but I promise to do it, and he would. He would give the commencement address, and he generally then he would eventually join the board, and you got to see his remarks. He was just in awe of what he saw.
0: Hmm. Brian kill me, go get this book. It's Teddy, uh, Teddy and Booker T. Uh- he was a civil rights leader, certainly. I think Martin Luther King Jr. for me was the last civil rights leader, true civil rights leader. Those who call themselves that today are not. I think they're dividers and I think they're people actually who have gotten very rich on, on using that division. Can we get back to, to that same Mind sense that Teddy and and Booker T had, and the reason I asked if they were if they were mm-hmm. friends, like you don't have to be friends with somebody you have a good partnership with. I just wondered if personally they liked each other as well. But can we get yeah. back to that? Is there a person that can show up on the scene and then be the person that says, not only should we be united, now we can focus on where the troubles are in the individual races and ancestries? Can that happen again?
1: I think so. I mean, I'm already noticing uh, changes. Although, let's just put the – I did an interview and someone said, well, I'm, I'm doubtful that I'm too optimistic because of what's happening with these people rallying to the Palestinians' cause because right. they look like the oppressed." But I will say this. I'm not hearing things about before NFL games, let's sing the black and uh, black national anthem and then the other national anthem. And I'm not hearing things that the American flag is a trigger. I'm, I'm seeing uh, hard knocks and I'm seeing Aaron Rodgers with his arm around uh, Becton uh, yeah. talking about, why don't you come over for dinner tonight? And I don't think it's a big deal. I'm back to the way we used to think, rather than everybody thinking about race, and you better not say that. Right. Because I think the people that gave us this have watched their lives be ruined by the cancel culture they started. And they said, how the hell did we get here? And I think that's all part of it. And I think we're going to realize, again, sports might have to lead us there, and maybe it's leading us again there, like it has in the past. That when you go to, you know, when you go and play a sport, you go to camp and you uh, are part of all this and you go through the wars with these people. You don't care what color of skin they are. In fact, you embrace, you embrace their different background. One thing I think I told you before, Joe, is that playing soccer in retrospect was the best because no Americans were playing when I was playing. So literally, I was one of four Americans on my college team. And they'd be like, oh, put the Americans over here, the Tob- Tobagans over here. Right. We had four right. Israeli fighter pilots at Division Two. You could play at twenty five years old, you could be a freshman. Wow. So I had guys who were shaving at halftime. I didn't shave till three years after college. <laughs> so you get so tolerant. I think I see the Somali guy, I know he's gonna be a great forward. I see the Greek guy, I know he's gonna be a great back. You right. know, you stereotype it all the good reasons. I have this guy from Nigeria, he was the only guy. I was great at long distance with no foot speed. He was the only guy who beat me every time long distance. He was on the <laughs> track team. So I was used to stereotypes in a good way, yes. but I couldn't care less about people's background. And again, sports kind of led you there as a player, and then you watch it as a fan. And I, I just imagine this. They don't. Uh, I didn't write about it in the book because I can't put myself in the time. Yeah. But when people ask me, what did they do? There's also stuff they didn't. They don't know that they did. How many little 70-year-old boys and girls looked up and saw Teddy Roosevelt and uh, Booker T. Washington, pictures of them at Tuskegee, pictures of them at the White House, pictures of them together and them talking about each other and thought, there's no difference between the races. Look at these guys, black and white, they're not talking about the color of their skin. How many people changed their views, even if their parents told them they were wrong and saw an equality rather uh, rather than a diversity of races? Are oh, the blacks right. and whites are different. Right. How many people just saw these guys working together and the respect they gave or and not just Teddy. I mean, he was good friends with Taft. He was great friends with McKinley. Uh, they just had mutual respect. Andrew Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, uh, Julian Rosenwald. So the peep, the most powerful people of those times, they would sit there and, and just talk about how to make the country better.
0: I, I loved it. It was inspiring. I'll tell you this, Brian, uh, growing up and then getting into, into media, I've been in media now since 89. Um, I I never believed the story that if you see somebody that looks like you or has a name like you or that has an ancestral background like you, you're more apt to go do that. I was the hardliner that said anybody can do anything. It's a land of opportunity. Yeah. You don't have to see somebody who does it who looks like you. But But what you just said, that story does resonate now because Tiger Woods. When Tiger Woods showed up, it was less than 1% black players in golf and kids were not learning how to play golf. If they happen to be black, they saw him play. Suddenly there was a flood of young black children, boys and girls that were saying, I can play that game too. Great. Yeah. So I think, I think that's the the story you just related about them in the pictures. It must've really spoke volumes to people in the black community who thought we're just the ancestors or the descendants of slaves. We can't do those things.
1: Yes. And
0: did tiger, did you see that that effect from tiger as well?
1: I, I know there's no doubt about it with Tiger because I feel yeah. like I almost came up with him. I mean, my first job was Channel 1, and they told me I was out on the West Coast doing a story, and I think it was Pete Sampras, okay. and he had just broken through. And they said there's this guy named Tiger Woods whose father fought in Vietnam, and he named him after the guy he fought with that disappeared, that he still had hope that he was going to be alive. And he thought if he named his his uh, son Tiger, that he'd beca- he knew he'd become famous, and then somehow he would realize they were alive. So whatever that story was, Amazing. I remember pitching that story of this teenager before he was Tiger Woods, who we all know, that went to Stanford and uh and then went one pro and did what he did. So I remember pitching that story out there, and that was part of it is that a lot of kids weren't doing it back then. And then I got a chance to meet Earl Woods and talk to him about that. And he was a with all his plus, he was a no nonsense guy too. Yeah, if you got a race problem, I'm walking right through you. Unlike the Williams dad, Richard Williams who I felt was a little different. I could never yes, figure that guy out,
0: but I was. covered him too. Uh, it, it, that, I mean, and the story about the pictures that really just resonated with me because I had a change of heart, you know, as a talk show host and you're a talk show host, we sometimes lock into our opinion because we've done all the research. We think we know it all. And then Tiger Woods showed up and I went, Holy crap. That really does work that way, which was amazing. So I think this was the predecessor to that. But so many people don't learn this. I want people to go get the book, Teddy and Booker T, How Two American Icons Blaze the Path for Racial Equality. I know this is why you do it, because you, like me, realize that we're not being taught history anymore. I didn't I know. know about this dinner until until I started researching your book. I, I honestly, and I should have known about this, because this was 100 years before Tiger Woods. And this is around the era, by the way, of of Jack Johnson, the boxer who was treated like garbage because he was a black guy beating the white guys. So this really was a turn of events in this country that should still be felt today. But, Brian, we don't because nobody talks about it. So stay, thank you for doing the book. Are you getting that sort of reaction? Holy crap, I don't even yeah. know this story.
1: It's, uh, it's day one, and I, I get a lot of that. And the one thing I have, too, is like people who are much smarter than me will say, with these stories, I didn't know that. That's why I studied for three years. So you look into it, you think you got something. which was kind of interesting, Joe, and you'd appreciate this being able to go to Tweed Roosevelt. You went to Sagamore Hill probably as a kid. That's where Teddy Roosevelt's last house was. Right, right, right. After right. reading Booker T. Washington, seeing the references to Teddy, I said, let me just go find out because Tweed Roosevelt's around. I met him. And I just said, do you think, and he became a historian of his great-grandfather. I go, do you think I'm wrong here? He said, well, I don't think you're wrong. But he does say some things that shows he's got blind spots, You know no one's going to say that he was some revolutionary as if he was born in 2023 i go i got it so people look at this and they'll look at tay roosevelt and they'll say some things about the races that he wouldn't agree with later in his life but he actually said just like lincoln and it shows that he was a person of his times but most of his life he was way ahead of his times yeah and he he was willing to be first on everything and i think a lot has to do with the fact that he was born with asthma almost died multiple times was beat up a lot as a kid, even though he had money and wealth. He could not hang out with the other kids. His parents were scared to death. He would die. So he wasn't allowed out really until he got to college. So he had a sense of what, even though he was a rich kid, he had a sense of what it was like to be the other guy, you know, to to not be be with the cool kids. And that's what I think that he kind of plays out throughout his whole life.
0: The book is out today. It's Brian Kilmeade, of course, from Fox News Channel. Also, he's got a a great talk show. Listen to everything he does, watch everything he does, and read every book he writes. Teddy and Booker T is out today. How Two American Icons Blaze the Path for Racial Equality. Brian, it's always great to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for coming on today. Let's do it again soon.
1: Absolutely, Joe. Continued success. Thank you.
0: Thank you, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here.
1: This is The Joe Pag Show.
0: Nice to have you. Thanks. I appreciate you stopping by. Go and get Brian's new the book, Booker T, and um, uh, Teddy and Booker T. Uh, that dinner was one that many of us have never even heard about. It, it certainly broke some barriers, and I love that it's about equality. The promise of America was never equity. Equity is equality of outcome. Equity means no matter what you do or how hard you work, and if I'm lazy and I slack off, I get the same exact outcome. And that's patently unfair. That is not meritocracy. That is not working hard and grabbing the opportunity America offers. That is just handing somebody something. And that's why there's so much division in this country. If you hand somebody something and tell them, don't worry about it. Nobody's going to get more than you do. No matter how hard they work, that's going to disincentivize them from going out and enjoying that opportunity that's afforded here in America. And it's going to give the government way more power than it was supposed to have. So I really appreciate Brian coming on and talking about that new book. Let's do some pop culture.
1: Dirty pop.
0: Oh, Hi, Polo, talk to me, brother.
1: So when you do these interviews, do you ever get thrown off? Like if something comes into, like, the the camera shot that shouldn't be there?
0: I haven't had it happen, (laughs) but I guess it would throw me off, yes.
1: Okay, so I guess last night, I don't know if you, or you probably haven't because you don't watch the NFL, but... Right. Peyton and Eli were, were doing their show where they're you know when they're talking during like the Monday night football game.
0: Didn't and, know they had a show.
1: Yeah, and, and it's on ESPN, and they had Arnold Schwarzenegger on, and while he's talking,
0: into the shot comes his pet donkey that he has. Stop it. And he and he's like feeding it, and and you can just see Peyton Manning's face like he doesn't know you know what the heck he's looking at. <laughs> it's just I don't know, it's pretty funny. Just the donkey shows up. Yes. There you go. Now I'll need to see that video. Polo, thank you. Sam, thank you. Carrie, thanks. I'm Pags back tomorrow night. See you. This is the Joe Pags show.